and welcome to the Book Table podcast, your audiobook club. Uh, I'm Annie, and I'm joined by Fee. Hello. And Sophie. Hey. Uh, this is our uh, monthly book news episode. I was about to say our annual book news episode, but <laughs> <sighs> luckily, book news happens far more than once a year. Um, this is our December book news episode, so we've got a lot of sort of exciting end of year wrap ups, as well as just your general book news headlines. And then towards the end of the episode, we'll be talking about our to read lists for December, uh, which hopefully are at least a tiny bit Christmassy. Although I'm not sure if I've got any Christmas books on mine, so I'm just putting that pressure on you guys. No, nope. um, <laughs> no, no Christmas here. <laughs> uh do i have any christmas books i do have one other mm. i saw actually a really interesting christmas book while i was in foils yesterday and it was like i think it's called um the christmas murder and i just thought oh christmas murder mm. combining our two spooky and seasonal, spooky and seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> okay um We've got sort of a whole chunk of things to chat about. So, Fee, do you want to go right ahead with your first headline? Yeah, um, I'm sure this is a headline that most people are aware of, and that is the Harry Potter reunion that is coming on the 1st of the 1st, 2022. Oh, New Year's Day! New Year's Day! The train Oh, dropped... I didn't realise it was that soon. Yeah, the trailer dropped to date. Well, I say the trailer... It's literally a bunch of magical music, some <laughs> backs of heads, some ha- like uh, like hairlines behind newspapers. It's not giving a lot away. Maybe you see the steam train. Maybe it's Emma Watson. Maybe not. <laughs> but then it listed all their names and then announced the date. And it's on HBO HBO Max, maybe I think one, yeah. you know, HBO, the American one, the one that friends did. Wait, can you access say, HBO got... in England? No, like, no illegally like, you can. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, how, how do we even watch this? For legal reasons, no, you can't. Um, legal reasons. <laughs> okay, I have a serious question for you guys, legal or otherwise. Do you find these things interesting? Not really. I'll be quite honest. <laughs> I mean, I know it's my book news, but it's... No, no, no. I think it's interesting news to talk about. But sometimes I think the, like, the news is that they make these. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, the thing is, you have to one... I mean, I understand it's a 10-year anniversary. It's a 10-year anniversary, isn't it? Can't be yeah, 20 years. Yeah, it's the 10-year anniversary of the Philosopher's Stone film. Yeah. So... Well, no- no, no, it's it must be twenty. No, on, it's twenty years. Yeah, twentieth anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. film. Two thousand one. Right. <laughs> Not twenty. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because Nativity came out ten like over ten years ago. I was having Jesus. a real like. Hold on one minute. Did the Philosopher's Stone come out in two thousand and eleven? No. Twenty. <laughs> Isn't that bad? That like this just this time is just so weird oh like yeah. I, I I watched nativity like I watched I've watched nativity twice at this point you know the film nativity mm-hmm. yeah I've not seen yeah, it yeah 
um oh what's his name the guy that plays Morgan uh, Freeman no Martin not Freeman. Morgan Freeman Martin Freeman <laughs> <laughs> I always want to call him Arthur Dent because <laughs> that's who he played in Hitchhiker anyway but I've watched it like twice already amazing film probably one of my favorite Christmas films because the children are hilarious Mr. Poppy is hilarious and the songs are catchy um anyway and then I was and then I saw all these the the child actors all kind of grown up on TikTok and I was like oh my god when did this film come out and I texted my friend this and I said I'm seeing all these you know kid actors on TikTok all grown up you know over puberty uh when do you when did this film come out and she goes didn't it come out like four years ago and then I looked it up and I was like no it came out in 2009 it's over 10 years old God. and I just felt I felt like I'd like I'd woken up from a coma or something I'd missed like half of life <laughs> This week okay. on Book News. I'm getting a little existential. Existential crisis. Anyway, but back to the Harry Potter news. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't, I think with these reunions, obviously you're not going to get the same. I think it's, I think it's, a, it's trying to be almost closure, even though the last film was supposed to be closure enough. Yeah, wait, I have a question. So as someone that didn't watch Friends, so I have no what was the Friends reunion? Was it like a, like, what was that? I remember it happening and everybody giving a shit about it, but as I've never watched the show, I was just like, eh. Oh, I didn't watch it. It was like a glorified talk show, just dedicated to Friends, basically. Okay. Because like I'm like I actually have no idea what this reunion is supposed to like. If James, be. I'm sorry. If James's Corden is in this one, I'm gonna lose my fucking shit. I Maybe don't we'll just ban James Corden. I don't want him in the wicked thing. I don't want him <laughs> touching this. So, the thing that this one has that the Friends one didn't is the sheer number of people. Yeah. Like on Friends, yeah. there are only six of them. Like there's only yeah. so many things that six people can say. This one yeah. has a lot of people. Sometimes I think, like, but I just, I don't know if there's anything that interesting to be said about the making of Harry Potter films, you know? Well, well, the thing is, they made it into, I mean, Harry Potter has never really left. Do you know what I mean? We've never had a period without Harry Potter. So to have a reunion doesn't feel like... A reunion after so long it just feels like oh more harry potter stuff also you know they started making harry potter only three years before friends ended and then yeah, yeah. and then they haven't really stopped mm. making harry potter films there are those eddie redmayne ones that i haven't watched yeah. and there's the cursed child well it's not just the films but you've got the yeah you've got the play you've got you know theme park theme park you've got a um experience yeah they're also currently doing something with the natural history museum which i only know because there's an advert for it at my local tube station and i was like what are you doing with the natural history museum they did a british library (laughs) exhibition yeah it's 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 never left i and i understand why and it's a it's it, 
everybody like people love the word Pottermore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that was a th- oh, there's the there's the mobile role playing app. Yeah, so you see, it never it's never really left. So I guess with the reunion coming up, it feels a bit like eh, okay, but also. It's not like we've not seen the actors being interviewed countlessly. Yeah. And also, and if I'm honest, I'm more looking forward to seeing like Helen Bonham, Bonham, Helena Bonham Carter. I'm looking forward to Bellatrix. Do you know what I mean? I'm looking forward to actually the older <laughs> cast to that yeah. rather than the main three. Yeah, I, I just, I think... One thing I will say, and this is what comes up every time I think about the cast of Harry Potter. Daniel Ratcliffe really took the opportunity to just spend the rest of his life doing weird, interesting shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, he makes weird films. Like, Hmm. a Daniel Ratcliffe film is never guaranteed to be a good film, but it's guaranteed to be a good conversation. You know what I mean? I haven't seen them, but every time I see them, they just look kind of weird. Oh my god, he does just weird stuff. Um, he did a Simon Rich show. Simon Rich, um, is a close contemporary of John Mulaney, um, where he was an angel in Heaven's paperwork department, and it was um that was a show that was uh mm. executive produced by the Lonely Island. Um, he, oh, the, there was a rom-com with Amy Schumer and Bill Hader, um, where he was like the puppy dog, sick in love. And she was just sort of, you know, the play girl mm-hmm. who had to be convinced to settle down. And there was a running joke in that film of her going on dates with other people to this really pretentious French film with Daniel Ratcliffe and Marissa Tomei in it. He did that weird show on Sky about, the the Russian doctor who had his it was like his past was a comedy and then his present was a tragedy where he was addicted to heroin anyway cut all of this none of this is interesting but like the point is Daniel Ratcliffe does some weird stuff and I I don't like everything he does but I respect him <laughs> for doing it all I I also I I think the person who'll be quite interesting to see is Rupert Grint because he went off the grid and like rightly so if he if that's what he wants to do you know exactly you know keep his privacy in it but i love the fact that he has a child with the girl with georgia from angus bunkwick snogging i love that yeah it's like it's like a combination of my favorite books when i was growing up (laughs) did you ever see that classic tweet that was like yeah no dad's a witch the mom's an olive bit of an elsie shock for him when he found out (laughs) oh i just love it but yeah. Uh, Do you ever see that film, Angus Songs and Perfect Snogging? I have heard of this film a lot, but I don't think I've ever actually watched it. Oh, I love it. Honestly, it's a great film, but you've probably got every good thing from it from just like hearing people talk about it, you know? <laughs> don't you think that's the reunion we need, an Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging reunion? That. That I would be interested in watching, you know. I would be interested in watching that. Mm. Remember how Alan Davies played the dad? Mm. Did you ever go? Did you guys watch no. Disney Channel? No. 
Oh, then you didn't. You guys didn't see like the summer games that they would do with all the Disney Channel stars. It was like the Olympics, but with all the Disney Channel celebrities. So you got like Hannah Montana on the same team as Zac Efron, and like you know the Sweet Life twins and stuff. Or they'd be on opposite teams. And anyway, I thought they should have a huge Disney Channel reunion. Wouldn't that be so cool? Or maybe instead of sitting the Harry Potter actors down to interview them, mm. instead we should make them do sports day. Yeah. That I would watch. <gasps> no, do you know what? I would do want them to reenact the scene. Do you want to get that stone or not? It's you that has to go on, Harry. Not me. Not Hermione. You. <laughs> Reenact the entirety of the Harry Potter, please, with those accents. Um, I think that's 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 where we should be um, moving on. Okay, so I'm gonna move us along uh, after that. I'm not even gonna call it a digression. I'm gonna call it a beautiful moment. Um, a leviosa. Leviosa. <laughs> We're so good at this. Anyway, I know. Uh, into our next headline which is mine um actually can i just can i just intervene one more point one more thing to say. <laughs> okay, okay okay go on um i think what should happen in the reunion is they get all the harry potter cast together and then they re like and then they introduce them to the star kid cast can you imagine the umbridges <laughs> meeting I still remember that one, like where the umbrage is like, keep me young, girls, keep me young. Rule number one, no boys. Unless they're cute. Unless they're cute. (laughs) Rule number two, no alcohol. Unless there's plenty to go around. Now, they did a 10-year reunion and that was great because they just all sang the songs. That was a great reunion. They should combine it. I want the Harry Potter cast to acknowledge star kid and the amazingness that was their performances especially draco i want the dracos to meet moon shoes potter star kid potter <laughs> also i'd love to know the hair gel they use for draco malfoy yeah anyway i just want to know we really and truly are moving on to our Sorry. second headline of the episode promise this time um <laughs> And this is mine. And this is a service that I I found, I think it was launched very recently um, at a sort of an online bookshop as an alternative uh, called The Big Green Bookshop, uh, which is particularly relevant, by the way, to anyone in the UK. They're an online bookshop. You can contact them via Twitter, as well as, I think, through their website, biggreenbookshop.com. Um, free postage to everywhere in the UK. Uh, they do a lot of great services, including you can get like a book club subscription and they'll send you a book that they think you'll like every month, I think, or, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and they have just launched a thing called I Want the Paperback. Now, you might know that we here at... Um, at the Books Table podcast, are big believers in waiting for the paperback, you know? You know, sometimes you have to buy the hardback, but sometimes it's worth waiting until the paperback. Um, and this is- Not a- in my case, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a, I never- see it, I buy it. <laughs> okay, 
So me, so me and Annie, I believe, was in maybe we should sometimes wait for the paperback. V is yeah, like, fee. no, you buy that now. Yeah. Cannot wait. I don't know yeah. what it is about. There's something in my DNA which goes like, if you don't get it now, it's never going to be available to you ever again. And you will just have to acknowledge that you will never read that book. Yeah, fee is a weapon of massive consumption. Oh, that makes me sound like a pollutant. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's um the Lily Allen song. My dad used to call me a weapon of massive consumption whenever I came home with a new pair of shoes. <gasps> oh, well, if Lily Allen's being called it, yeah, go ahead. Anyway, so um they have launched a service. I think this is more relevant to some people than to others because some people like reading hardbacks or at least don't mind reading hardbacks. And I am definitely a person who, if I want to buy a book and the book I want to buy is in hardback, I'll probably just buy it, you know? Um, but mm. I also will sometimes be like, oh, I, I want to read that, but I don't want to have it in hardback. Um, so yeah, you can email them at, literally at Iwantthepaperback at gmail.com with the book title and the author. And they'll let you know when the paperback is coming out, how much it'll be. Um, they'll sort of, or if there isn't a release date for the paperback, they'll let you know when the paperback is due. Um, you can order it, you can pre-order it with them. You know, sometimes it'll be like nine months in advance and you can just be like, yep, yeah, tick, I want to pre-order that paperback. Wow. Don't you love pre-ordering something and then like six I months do. later you get a present from yourself in the past? Yes, I do. And then I say thank you, Pastor B. I accept your beautiful offer mm. i am more stressed now but you knew that <laughs> i was gonna say i think this is a great service from an independent bookshop um the big green bookshop is actually a really interesting bookshop and i i, I might sort of use this as a lead in to sophie your news because the big green bookshop used to be a brick and mortar mm. shop in wood green i believe mm. um but then the guy who ran it moved somewhere else and didn't want to sort of open it up as a bookshop like didn't want to open a brick and mortar shop wherever he was going. So instead now just runs it as an online store and will order any book for you. You can send it anywhere in the UK. And he still does mostly via Twitter, but also elsewhere still does a really great, like that's amazing. Shop service. His dedication to the readers of the, of the UK. I just admire so much. Huh. He didn't just say, Oh, I'm going to only keep, this bookshop open in London or oh I'm just gonna have my bookshop wherever I am located he said no everybody deserves to be have their the book that they want on paperback and it for it to be accessible yeah. and thank you for your service yeah yeah if you ever listen to this thank you for your service book room bookshop man um he also does every Wednesday on Twitter I believe hashtag buy a stranger a book where people just buy each other books oh. yeah Oh, do you know what that ties in to Emma Watson? I'm, I'm sorry. And we're back <laughs> to the first headline. We just want to drag us back into that premiere. No, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. You, and you know what else? Now you've, you know, smudged up my link to the next piece of news. Okay, go on, Emma Watson. No, have you, you've seen when she's done? She's bought her books and she puts, she hides them around in either London or when she's in New York, she'll hide them around New York, mm. those sorts of things. And I've always wanted to find a random book just left somewhere. And like, 
Oh, I don't know. I just really, I just really want to see a little free library. No. Oh, sometimes people will put boxes at the end of their gardens and they're called little free libraries and it's like, take a book. Oh, I have seen, yes. Yeah, but you can buy the boxes. There's one a short walk away from me and I need to leave a book because I took a book the other day. Um, Annie, they're going to send the police. They're going to send the little free library police. Um, (laughs) No, I left a book when I took a book, but now I need to leave another, anyway. Um, But speaking of brick and mortar bookshops and non-brick and mortar bookshops i think this brings us on quite nicely to sophie your piece of news so my piece of news is that so as we all know amazon have very much kind of muscled their way into the book market they're a very large seller of books and they often sell books kind of cheaper than you would find them in bookshops and something that they've done recently which is interesting is they started opening up like brick and mortar shops and one of them is called amazon four star and it's a weird shop where it has products that are rated four star on amazon in it and it has a a section of books and me and my mom were kind of we we were in the shopping center we were like should we just go and look in there we mostly went out of curiosity and then i was looking around the tables and the more i looked at it the more kind of freaked out i started to get because i was recognizing titles like um like that evelyn hugo book that i know the oh the seven husbands of evelyn hugo i've got that book yeah yes 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 yeah 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 Yeah. i thought one of like basically books that are like relatively big on book talk or that kind of thing and they're all sold there but then the worst part is if you have an amazon account you get a discount that's the worst the absolute worst how dare they make it cheaper so i like this is on the one hand this is good for like you know accessibility in some ways they are but at the same time they are undercutting the prices of other booksellers and i like on the one hand i don't know if it is it doesn't feel like accessibility like i don't feel like they're like we want people to be able to afford books it's like buy the book here because do you know where people who are less likely to read by their books? Amazon. Smiths. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, yeah. Smiths is the bookshop where, like, Smiths is sort of a particularly famous for being bookshop for people who like. That's a big accessibility bookshop, and I don't think Amazon is ever going to sort of. What I don't think that's what Amazon is trying to do here. You know what I mean? Amazon started from selling books so that is their foundation that they were booksellers that's that was what um Jeff Bezos Mm -hmm. set out to do I'm not innocent in this you know I frequently like it's very hard to read audiobooks uh, read audiobooks listen to audiobooks like there's gonna be a lot of difficulty there (laughs) audio Amazon have basically sort of covered the um audiobook market you know there's a little bit from belinda digital and libra.fm but yeah in the main i think amazon is basically the only place where you can get audiobooks well spotify have entered that market now and they're going to probably yeah also slate slate i think are trying to do the thing where you can get audiobooks from slate that will then go straight into your podcast app wow Mm. yeah but 
I think in the main, Amazon have cornered that market. And then does anyone else really suffer from um, the Amazon 99p Kindle book sales? No, because I don't have a Kindle. Neither do I. I read them on my iPad. I, I don't read it elect. I don't read books electronically. Oh, uh, yeah. I read a lot of books electronically. Except fan fiction. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Possibly because as a teenager, I spent so much time reading fan fiction. I'm fine with reading books electronically. Um, well, no, I do read Wattpad. Wattpad I read a lot. Oh. On, online, The onlines of Wattpad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also manga I read online. Yeah. Because... We had time to buy, buy it. <laughs> you don't have time to buy it, V. Like you have time to buy books if you want to. I'm not taking that from you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but quite often books that I want to read will be 99p on Amazon, and I have this awful habit where if I want a book, I'll add it to my Amazon list, and sometimes I'll then mm. buy it in the real world, like you know, a good book reader. But sometimes been there, do then- that. I'll go into my Amazon book list and sort by price from low to high and then just buy the five that are 99p on sale. It's a problem. Yeah. And I always tell myself I'm going to buy the books for real if I like them, but... You never do. You never, never will. will. That's, that's just admit it, okay, that's impressive because I, I would never do that. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll get it for real. And then it's like, no, I have it on ebook. Why would I get it again? Yeah, it's... It, it's a thing. I think it's really interesting. The I think Amazon are trying to expand to conquer, I think, all aspects of the book market, but to cater to all types of readers. So whether it's the audiobook readers, yeah. the electronic readers, or the readers that have been formed from the popularity that has come from online communities talking about books not only online communities but Mm. big celebrity names showing what they read and that sparks people to read so is it I think it's it is a split thing where yes great accessibility for more people to read things but we also know how much damage it will cause to small booksellers who are and libraries who are really big parts of our reading culture and 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 our community yeah I so I think that I also think (sighs) I think there's a problem with a bookshop basing its selection of books based on what's selling well online like yes. I think yeah. yeah and also there's just that that like it, it's kind of a closed loop like how do you like they will only sell books that are currently popular so how do you get popular it, it essentially you're less likely to pick up like a there's a very limited selection so it's kind of cutting down the physical books that you're selling it's it's kind of a yeah a plus point of that is that if it is, yes, it'll be set, maybe it sells like say eight books, but these eight books might not all be the same genre. They might all be completely different authors, but what it is does is it might be a opening to more books from that author. I really liked, you know, uh, I don't know, um, uh, Malibu Rising. So now I'm going to read Seven Husbands of... Evelyn Hugo 
Do you know what I mean? And it, then it, Hugo. It, and Another one they have. <laughs> um, if you're not going to be able to buy that from Amazon, where you might go to your local, you might go to the Waterstones next door to get more. Do you know what I mean? But like, here's the thing. that Where I think they're sneaky with this is that you will have bought that book on your Amazon account. So do you know what yeah. Amazon's going to do? It's, it's going to pop up it. and say, oh, yeah. you like this book? We're selling this other book that we recommend. Yeah. Buy yeah. it from us online. Yeah, that's what yeah. that discount is doing. That discount is helping them, making sure they're still collecting data on who's shopping and what they're buying. It's like Primark and Facebook <laughs> had a book, baby. Yeah, it's just, it feels slightly where you it's look at problematic. I also think it's not, it, it's not in a book desert. You know what I mean? It's in... Uh, yeah. So Westfield, there's a Waterstones right? right around the corner. Yeah, it's in Westfield, yeah. 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 yeah, so they're not bringing very bookshops nice to places. A very nice. I, I'm pretty sure there's also a No, foils. I think it's gone. No, no, there's Foils is well. gone. There's a Smith's, but it's just a Smith's and a Waterstones. Oof. There's a Smith's. I mean, yeah, it counts. It's, it's there. No, no, no. Let's <laughs> yeah. not bring up Smith's. <laughs> right, but my point is, I don't think we can talk about this as, oh, maybe it's accessibility. You know, I think we can go around the houses of accessibility questions and are, is it bringing in more audience? But actually they're not, they're deliberately going to a place where people are buying books and saying, hmm, buy them from us instead. It's it's sort of aggressive and it's not bringing books to places or people that don't yeah, have I think them that is well, It feels weird when there is like a, a bookshop right I, I around agree. the corner. But if we're talking about Waterstone, places like Waterstones and Foils, we can't say those are local booksellers because they're not. They are national. Oh, God, no. No, they're, you know, they're absolutely not. Huge booksellers. They're like the UK's Barnes & Noble, basically. And <laughs> actual individual yeah. bookshops are still unrecognised because of places like Foils and Waterstones and now probably Amazon. So... It's not, I think it's not just Amazon's fault. I think it's just, they've seen a market, they've seen money in their eyes and they've said, why not? And, and I think we can see pluses and minuses for both, just as you can argue about that with Primark and stuff. But we all, I think yeah. at the end of the day, we know that the people we need to uplift are those small booksellers because... And, and libraries we're yeah. losing so many libraries because oh God, we'd yeah. rather own than borrow well, and also also just... there's no council funding for libraries it's local authorities say, libraries is council they don't have the money. and libraries are even more important because it's a community yeah. um center it it, it it provides people a safe space in the community yeah um um, so I think, yeah, support your local bookshop and it's always worth um, and getting your library. your library. Yeah. Yeah, support, support your local library, library um, whether through borrowing books or just like go spend some time in the library. It's a great place what to was, hang out. Do you remember those traveling libraries that you would see at Fates, school Fates or fairs? You know, they had like a little, it was a little mini bus and it would like open up and you could get a book from there and then they would come I back. I don't think I ever interacted with I did not experience this, but it sounds very cool. 
it was really cool. And my my friend in primary school, his mum worked in it, so I got <laughs> I got the access. Ooh. This is this is where these book recording natures began. She had access too much access to a, yeah. a, a moving library as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book and was, um, eat your heart out. <laughs> was popular in school. I was popular with the librarians. Hey. Um. Yeah. Uh, Fee, do you have another piece of book news? I was just going to branch off that that nice little nugget of popular books and book talk mm. in general. I mean, I know you guys aren't really on TikTok. Annie, you're 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 dabbling, I would say, aren't you? I every so often I download TikTok and then three days later I realized that I've done no work and seen a thousand TikToks and then I get rid of it. TikTok it is, is still a is scary labyrinth. new world to me that I yeah. do not feel prepared to enter. I look at it and I'm like, what are these children doing these days? I don't know. <laughs> I just as a person who basically only does self-directed work i don't i don't have the self-control for tiktok you know i'm not there yet i'm not that kind of grown-up <laughs> maybe one day maybe one day you know when i'm grown up i want to be the kind of person who can use tiktok in moderation anyway so tiktok books yeah so one of those tiktok books is the love hypothesis sophie did you see that one crawling around it was on so yeah so i was in waterstones earlier today and what one thing I noticed was that they had a little table and it was like these are books that are popular on TikTok one of them was the Evelyn Hugo thing and mm. another one was Love Hypothesis and I think I recognized most of the names on there I was like oh yes this is where the popular books are I just want to talk about it because it is a phenomenon now this idea of real popular books on TikTok that make their way to you know to influencing places like Waterstones like Amazon I mean, like, if we didn't have book talk and all these trending books, would there be an Amazon uh, four-star book place? Probably not, but we can't say for sure. One thing I do think is interesting is Amazon and TikTok books, I think, exist in a sort of loop system where yeah. you don't have to be a published author to become book talk famous. So a lot of those books are only available via Amazon self, Amazon's self-publishing system. They have a program where independent authors can self-publish and be released as Amazon yes. eBooks. They then become famous yeah. on BookTok and then that sets off a kind of loop of popularity that eventually ends up with them being in print. Well, uh, yeah, and that uh, a success story of that is a woman, the woman who wrote um, The Atlas Six, that oh I thought of that Atlas Six yeah yeah it, and it I really I I was looking for the book online and then I was saying oh to be published in March I thought I thought it's already published but she self-published it it got really popular on BookTok and then because of that popularity a publisher has picked it up to publish it through House interesting because I I just assumed it was like a you know, normally published book. I had no idea that it, that it was just yeah. This is this is the thing that about like that I don't understand about TikTok is like I don't know how things become things. They just seem to mm. happen, and then it's like I, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know who starts the trend. Hey, you know what was popular on TikTok for a is while? Is this a long joke? Oh uh, no, this is her bloody mountain goats. I swear. 
Okay. My favorite that band, the Mountain Goats, was TikTok popular, and while that was happening, okay. I was cool. Sorry, that sounded like the setup for one of your bad jokes, and I was like, I know. I was like, knock knock. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 knock knock. Who's there? The Mountain Goats. They're cool on TikTok. That means I'm cool. I'm a cool person. <laughs> Do you know what? I did see somebody talking about their Spotify wrapped and he said, you know, like it was that thing like, if you listen to this one, you're a pretentious motherfucker. If you (laughs) listen to this one, you know, you're cool, but in a weird way. And then anyway, the mountain goats made the list and I thought Annie would appreciate that. She's made the list. My my first favorite band is the mountain goats. My second favorite band is Taylor Swift. and My third favorite band is the mountain goats. Oh. Anyway, moving on. Um. Anyway, so yeah, this one, this love hypothesis. I don't know why I haven't read it yet because it's it it pretty much sounds like a book I should read. It's about two PhD. No, it's about a PhD candidate. A candidate. She's student. studying for her PhD. Um, uh, they're subtly different, but basically interchangeable. Okay. Yeah, and her supervisor i don't think he's the supervisor <gasps> i feel like i've heard enough of the book i, okay. he was the I don't supervisor. think he is i hope he's not i mean that would well, well, I, a wild ride that would be hey annie look, <laughs> i mean you know some things happen in romance books all's fair in love and fiction but like just in general don't do a phd hoping to fall in love with your supervisor because neither you your nor your supervisor will have fun or uh, <laughs> the one exception is like platonic love you can be like oh i love my supervisor they give me such good feedback on all my written work you know but like are you speaking from personal experience here annie <laughs> for listeners that need context annie <laughs> is a phd student um therefore PhD she- candidate She's a candidate. <laughs> and uh, she has much knowledge on the uh, the life of the PhD. Yeah. I'm just I, the science side. I was going to say, Fee can tell you about what it's like to be a science, but I can tell you what it's like to do a PhD. Just well, to be literature. a science. I, my, I'm my own science. <laughs> <laughs> Fee is a science. All I, science. Are. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like, what is going on in her mind? How do we break down her book buying habits? Yeah. There's plenty to learn and discover in there. Absolutely. Mm. You can take a course. We can do some statistical analysis. Anyway, the love hypothesis. The love hypothesis. I hope he's not her supervisor. Fan Just like fiction. on a personal level. Yeah, uh, it was. It is fan fiction. So, well, what was is, what, I mean, it, does it still stay fan fiction if they've changed the names and the I think scenario. this is a really interesting question about transformative works like huh, at what point does something like if you know that it was fan fiction can it ever stop being fan fiction just because you've changed the names I don't think so I mean fan fiction has a vibe do you know what I mean like you could tell Twilight was a fan fiction you could tell Fifty Shades Wait, was, a fan, was fiction. a fan fiction yeah it was a fan fiction of the author Stephanie Meyer and uh, My Chemical Romance, the guy from the lead from My Chemical Romance. Just let that sink in for a moment. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't do Twilight, so my brain is just trying to process this. Like, yeah, this sounds like what? 
oh god sorry i just had a thought i was like wow this sounds and like my immortal do you, you know wonder that? why muse yeah, and Pamel yeah. were on the soundtrack this is probably why she had that taste that music taste okay. yeah but what i will rock. say is i think mm, fan fiction we imagine is a very specific and limited thing i think when we mm. talk more broadly about transformative works so any book that starts with another work of art as its inspiration things get blurry and while so I think there is a point at which you can say something like um the love hypothesis or um 50 shades of gray or um after we collided yeah, yeah. the whole after series the Harry Styles what padfic not I um, think they are I was just going to say, is that Hillary Clinton one? Was that fan fiction that transcended into... I don't think it's... No, no. Oh, God, no. But I think we can all say that they're still transformative works because they are still working with the raw material of the original inspiration. Like, you'll never be able to... (laughs) You can take out what Mm. we think of as the fan fiction elements, like the actual characters, but the inspiration will have always been this other piece of art mm. so it will always be a transformative work now i don't think that's a bad thing like i don't i don't want to say you know there's anything derogatory about transformative work like i think actually as a society i mean copyright is good obviously but we are far too um elitist about the idea that you know inspiration has to come from nowhere yeah but i do think that yeah even when something isn't fanfic, mm-hmm. it's still a transformative work. You there's, know? There's, a, there's a line like somewhere between like where it is just like, I think because also it's never good to like when you read a book and you're like, oh, this person is just, you know, ripping off X book. That, that's never a good way, I think, to approach a work in general. Like, yes, it may have had the same inspirations, but I think like no, no idea is original. Like, it's incredibly difficult to come up with like an original concept and so it, it kind of it's a spectrum it, it, let's just say transformative works are a spectrum Didn't they say that like isn't it kind of known that there are only like 30 something like tropes like like uh there are yeah, yeah. seven plots yeah that's like a li- and, li- and that we just kind of rotate between them yeah. and we just maybe change the settings the circumstances the characters the personalities but yeah, it's pretty yeah, much the yeah. same. I mean, I mean, you've got Harry Potter and Percy Jackson. I'm, it, it's pretty similar if you break it down to its basic core. Yeah. yeah. No, we construct meanings from symbols and we construct meaning from, you know, distorting the meaning of symbols. Like, at the end of the day, there's only so many symbols. But I do love that. I love how smart makes it to, to published work. Do you know what I mean? Like... I, I don't know. There's just something very. Yeah, I think when it's published, we call it a new adult romance. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just think you know that it's been labeled. Fan fiction gets labeled as like, oh, it's a, a, a I don't want to say like it's a girly activity or whatever, but you know what I mean. Like, it, all girl, all the things that girls like, whether it's boy bands, fan fiction, yeah. or whatever it gets demonized mm. and it's like oh they're into that like that's sad that's weird or whatever like whatever misogynistic bullshit they try to sell you 
And it's like, no, it's good shit. Otherwise, why would we support it? Why would we do it? And like, yeah. it got published. It makes money. So shut your mouth. If you're not into it, just find something else to keep you happy in this life. Like, back off ours. I feel like, I mean, bless us all. You can tell that we're recording this slightly later than we normally do it's like seven o'clock on a monday evening and we've all been sort of like you know doing things all day because this is less of like oh informative news and more just a like let's chat you know yeah. and that's good you know yeah next this time is, um... with alcohol except for sophie he does a drink <laughs> <laughs> this is the book's table after hours okay after um... hours at what point does this digression become an entire podcast episode uh, I think we're finding out. So moving on to, I think, our final book news headline, um, while Fee just collapses of, in hysterics in the background. Um, I wanted to talk about... I'm sorry. No, 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 I, you are perfect and we love you. And <laughs> Thanks, guys. Gonna cry. I <laughs> wanted to just take, a, a, I think, a few very brief moments to talk about um, New York Times... I, just in general, book of the year roundups. Um, Yay. Yeah, there are a lot of good ones. Um, I think I'm going to recommend my sort of my two go-to book of the year roundups are going to be The Guardian and The New York Times. But I want to spend a little bit of time with The New York Times because I think they did something very interesting um, with theirs, which was, so they have, uh, they did 10 books of the year. Um 10 best books uh, of the year. Um, And it's also the New York Times review of books. It's their 100th anniversary, I believe. So they've been doing a lot of really cool stuff Um, or 125th anniversary. So they've also been doing like a vote on the best books of past 125 years. If you've got a spare moment, check it out. Um, But yeah, they did a really interesting thing. They did five... Um, fiction books and five non-fiction books and I was interested in this in part because it it's a different list from I think most people's sort of sum up of 2021 in books lists like I think it's very different the Mm. only one that I would say is a sort of a staple of books is one that I also want to talk about for my um man booker uh, the Bluffer's Guide to the Man Booker Award, which is no one's talking about this by Patricia Lockwood, which is just an incredible, it's sort of like, it's a very hard book to explain. It, it's billed as like an internet book, a book like set in the mind of someone who's extremely online, but actually it's so much more than that. It's poetry. Mm. No one is talking about this. It's, it's just, I'm about 80% of the way through and it's just an incredible book. But that is, I think, the only... Oh. Can I borrow it off you when you're done? Oh, my God. It's heart-wrenching and beautiful. And unfortunately, I only have it on Kindle. Oh! God damn it, Amazon. Greater! <laughs> I will probably buy it in hardback. So I'll lend you that. Thanks. I appreciate it. I was going to call you saboteur, but I'll take it back. Thank you. Um, But this list just struck me as really unusual and interesting. Um, 
I, and I really want to commend the New York Times for that because I think they went above and beyond in finding new voices, interesting voices, people who aren't being talked about, people who maybe aren't. Um... Yeah, and they also have five fiction books and five nonfiction books, which is another thing that I think is not typical of these kind of end of year roundups. Um, so just very quickly, their list was How Beautiful We Were by Imbolo Mbu. Uh, which I think is a second novel um, set in the African village of Kosowa. Intimacies by Kate Kitamura, um, which uh, follows the story of an unnamed court translator in The Hague, which sounds fascinating. The Love Songs of W.E.B. Dubois by Honoré Fanon Jeffers. No one is talking about this by Patricia Lockwood. Um, and when we cease to understand the world, which is actually a translation, it's by Benjamin Labetat, translated by Adrian Nathan West. Like, I just think they've done a brilliant job of finding a diverse, obviously diverse in terms of a sort of diverse authors, you know, representing diversity, but also a diverse set of books in that I think, A, there's something for everyone, and B, they're all different and they're all there's a value in the sheer like amount of variety on mm. this list even though it's only 10 books and only five fiction books um yeah uh so i'm gonna sort of give that my book roundup of the year award um i was just gonna say i think that's such a great kind of thing to put to to point out is just I think when we look at prizes, usually we'll see the same candidates over and over in the year. And it's nice to see different um, authors, different books that maybe people don't know as well in these lists, because yeah. it's that same thing of popularity. How much diversity does popularity give us? Yeah. You know, and, and how much does it, it introduce us to? the amount of literature that that is out there and the amount of talent that's out there oh god absolutely and i think like especially they're putting translations on the list they're really pushing a lot of non-fiction books and i didn't uh focus on them but their non-fiction books was a lot about sort of african-american history and culture mm. um they're just they're they're just doing some really interesting things at the new york times review of books and i thought i would highlight that um so i think that's it for book news that's all the headlines we wanted to show oh We've got one uh, final piece of urgent book I have news. a one, yes. Um, I just saw this today. Uh, I uh -huh. think it was, I think it, the news was <laughs> maybe yesterday or so. As mm -hmm. you know, it was in November. Well, it shows <laughs> I'm late to the party. Anyway, um, but yeah. you know, uh, the novelist uh, Bernadine Evaristo, yeah. uh, oh, writer yes, of yes. Girl, Woman, Other, is uh, -huh. uh to be the next president of the Royal Society of Literature and she is the first person of color to be in that position and I think that's a wonderful yeah. bit of book news. No, that's a great bit of book no. news. Do you guys know my fun fact about the Royal Society of Literature? Go on. So um when an author is invited to join the Royal Society of Literature, they sign like the register of authors. And you used to sign with Charles Dickens <laughs> Quill, but then that was getting a bit too used. And so they retired yeah. it. 
and now I think you can do it with Lord Byron's fountain pen or T.S. Eliot's fountain pen. <gasps> yeah, same. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'd obviously choose T.S. Eliot's. I was going to say, yeah. I mean. Well, that's the thing. I think everyone would choose T.S. Like, I mean, some people will probably choose Lord Byron's fountain pen, but like, why would you choose Lord Byron's? To be edgy. Would anyone else be really concerned that they'd break the nib on T.S. Eliot's fountain pen? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, no, I'd be afraid that I'd put it in my bag. I I would not want to hold it. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, what if I break this this, this person's artifact that I'm holding in my hands? Do you know what? The other day I was in a cafe and this these two girls were obviously having you know some wine and and a good gossip and did I listen absolutely absolutely you've got to in that situation you've got to um and this girl she lifts her her wine glass and literally the um the I don't know how to describe it the stem like breaks in half (gasps) she's like pulls it off almost oh my goodness everybody looks at her and she's just like I don't know how that happened <laughs> oh and imagine if that was T.S. Eliot's fountain pen that's that's what I thought I was like can imagine if that happens with T.S. Eliot's fountain pen imagine yeah. you you or, or worse the ink goes everywhere God. and you just oh. ruin the book you spill the ink you ruin the book I mean I had that problem when I had lammies and stuff the ink would go <laughs> everywhere yeah. just everywhere I'd have blue hands. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. But I think I'm really looking forward to seeing um Bernadine Everesto in this in in as, you know, yes. president and I think Absolutely. she's just going to do an amazing job um, and I'm excited to see what she does. Yeah, from all of us at the Book Table podcast, congratulations Madam President. Um so getting on to the second half of our book news sort of tradition. Um, is taking a quick look at our December sort of reading lists. What do we want to read in December? What do we hope to read in December? Um, This is by no means indicative of what we will have read in December come January. Please don't hold us to this. But it's always an interesting Mm -hmm. chat. Um, Speaking of, you know, a big pile of books, Fee, do you want to start? Hello. Hi. Um... Sorry, you didn't see that. The look she just gave us was... Somewhat indescribable, but just said you do not know the books. Do you remember that, that cholo, that cholo <laughs> la 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 kind of face, <laughs> that the, with the protruding chin? That was me just now. Yeah. Um. So, I picked up a book from our, our good friend Foils the other day. I in Foils the mm-hmm. other day. I saw um on the table of hardbacks the a new. A novel by Simone de Beauvoir and I've have the second sex um or you know uh, have I finished it no because it's a bloody big book um but it's there <laughs> and it should uh, it, it will be finished at some point but um this is a manuscript that w- uh, of hers that was found like in the bottom of a drawer by her daughter when she was clearing it out and it's called the inseparables and it is a short novel about two friends and um just just two women talking about equality justice and and 
how they've lost respect for their teachers and and how they try to kind of build their own life um out of what they know but it's it's about friendship and um I thought it was quite interesting it it gives me um it reminds me of my brilliant friend um and I think that's what I like that's what it might be like I haven't read it I haven't touched it yet I just bought it yesterday but it is something I'm very excited to read because I quite like Samenda Beauvoir I think she's quite iconic um yeah and it's and it's quite a short read which is is good for me (laughs) um the second book on my list is a non-fiction book that I picked up and it's called The History of Magic um, from alchemy to witchcraft, from the Ice Age to the present. Um, it's written by Chris Gosden, and it is um, kind of a nonfiction book looking at not just um, Western magic, but also different continents and their history of the term magic and and how it, it, it's kind of been used throughout history. And I think it's just one of those books that I'm interested in. You know, I think nonfiction is very personal oh, yeah. when yeah. when you're looking for stuff. And um, this one spoke to me of something I kind of want to know the history of. And um, that's those are on my to be read list because I know it's Christmas and I'm just like, I need to set myself something a bit more realistic um because I probably will be watching the Christmas specials <laughs> and a bit of Frozen maybe or that sort of thing that's a nice reasonable list um Sophie do you want to go next uh yeah I only really have one book on my list uh it's the same one as last month because I didn't start it uh, so yeah it, it's Endgame by Mallory Blackman I didn't read anything other than Once Upon a River last month. Although I will say, in my defense, I did NaNoWriMo and I wrote 50,000 words and my brain did die. Whoa. Like yeah. that, that. I've written zero. <laughs> so that that's basically why. But now that that <laughs> month is over and I am mentally rebooting, I'm going to definitely grab on and start reading. And, and I might also... Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Everisto, but I'll probably save that for January. Mm. Depending on how... Basically, I only want to read one book at a time because otherwise I'm never going to get anything finished. So I'm like, set one book. We'll see how quickly we finish it. And then I'll think about starting another book. I heard a great saying when it... That's so... Oh, I was just going to say, I heard a great saying that is when you are uninspired, read. When you are inspired, write. (laughs) There you go. You had an inspired yeah. November. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it sounds like you have so much, like, th- there's so much sensibleness going on here, like only one book at a time, realistic goals for December. And now I'm just looking at all of the books I have. Um, my one Christmassy one is I want to read Terry Pratchett's Christmas Discworld novel, Hogfather. Um mm. Uh, that's just something that every year I think, oh, I'll save that and read it at Christmas, and then I forget to read it at Christmas. Halfway through a couple of books at the moment, obviously, I've almost finished. Um, no one is talking about this. I'm also revisiting the Lucy Barton novels, so I read the first one 
Elizabeth Strout's um, Lucy Barson. My name is Lucy Barson several years ago and I found it so moving and then I just sort of forgot about Elizabeth Strout the author and I rediscovered her the other day when I discovered she's written two more books in that series so I'm sort of slowly making my way through the second and will hopefully move on to the third yeah I think that is more than enough to be getting on with amazing look at us being healthy with our reading habits Yeah, December is the month of realism. Yeah, realism. Goals. We love it. <laughs> We're getting new books as a genre and as a um, goal setting strategy. In the most magical time of the year, we've chosen realism. Yeah. The most realistic time of the year. That's how the song goes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that's it for the episode this week. Thank you all for listening. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the Book Table Podcast, where you can see what we're reading. You can look at us posting quotes. We will, you know, keep you updated on all sorts of things. Uh, speaking of what we're reading, our book club book for this month, December, um, is Midnight in Everwood by M.A. Kuznir. Uh, so please feel free to read along and we'll be discussing the book in our monthly book club episode coming up at the end of this month. Um, next week we're going to be chatting about childhood books Uh, so please leave us a comment on Instagram if you have any you'd like to highlight Um, and yeah I think that's it from us from this week so thank you very much for listening and goodbye bye